I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast to be named later here on DK Sports Radio. My name is Alex Stumpf, and it's just Alex Stumpf this time. To address the elephant in the room, just in case anyone here only listens to this podcast, in which case, I mean, check out the written word, but I I do appreciate you listening. Um, It may not have caught the news or didn't listen to... Uh, Young Bucks, the Pirates Prospect podcast that we have on DK Sports Radio. Um, Noah Hiles, my longtime co-host here, is moving on to uh, a different stage in his career. I wish him the best. Um, It's going to be weird doing this podcast without him, but the show must go on. It's going to be solo today for me. And I know I joked about this in the Young Bucks podcast about how like the worst thing I could do to someone is inflict 20-something minutes of me monologuing. That's not always going to be the plan. I mean, in, in, in Young Bucks, I've got Jared. He and I, we're going to do that show together. This one, at least for the short term, I have reached out to a couple people about you know coming in as guest hosts, people that I, I really enjoy talking baseball with, people who are very very knowledgeable about it have a true love of the game, true knowledge of the game. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. I I should come up with a different way of saying it. Different. But the show will go on. This is just a a personal challenge for me first of, hey, you know what? Let's do this solo, Alex. Let's go. Let's see what happens. And I want to talk about center field right now. Because we are less than a week away from spring training starting, which is weird. That's weird just to think of it like that. Like time moves in weird ways whenever we can't go outside anymore. Time moves differently in quarantine. But yeah, we got through an offseason. Pirates and pitchers and and catchers are going to be reporting to Bradenton in less than a week. And there's really no sign about who's going to be in center field. They, the Pirates were in the same situation last year. No, they went into spring training and it was like, well, is it Brian Reynolds? Is it Guillermo Heredia? Is it, is it someone? No, it, it, they ended up signing Gerard Dyson a couple days later. All right. And it was the most, <laughs> it was one of the more, it was definitely the most entertaining group interview of the year for better or worse. With the, you know, you like to explore your options, but you got to take the good with the bad. Just classic. I, I feel like I drop that interview reference every time I write about Dyson anymore. But that was 
a case of the Pirates going into spring training, not knowing exactly who their center fielder is, could end up happening this year, too. Might end up actually happening this year. You know, like, a strong possibility. There's still some good outfielders on the market. And whether it's a center fielder, whether it's a corner outfielder, and they move Brian Reynolds to center, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked for them to add you know, one more guy, even if it's on a minor league deal, just to add a little more variety to that clubhouse, just to add a little more competition to the bench. Because you do need some veterans on this team. Even though this is a rebuilding club, you got to have a couple veterans on it. But if they don't, who plays center field? Right now, there are three options. One of which is Brian Reynolds, who Brian grew up in the minor leagues and in college as a center fielder. He, he could probably do it. And he said in 2019, he liked playing center field for two reasons. There are two reasons he really liked it. One, he gets a truer read off the ball, which, okay, that's good. The other one is he says he likes to dive, which I, I love that answer. <laughs> Just being able to anyone who's played, you know, backyard baseball or wiffle ball or anything, the joy of diving and making a catch is indescribable. So, yes, I I will not vote Brian Reynolds for that one. That that one, that's enjoyable. But unless the Pirates have a different plan in left field. Why why would they move Reynolds to center? Like Derek Shelton has said that he plans to use Adam Frazier the same way Frazier was used last year which is mostly at second base, occasionally shoot him out to left field. You kind of have to do that. Kind of have to do that whenever you only have four true outfielders on the roster. I mean, there's still Frazier. There's still Cole Tucker, who I don't know 100% what the Pirates will do with Cole Tucker come spring training or come the end of spring training. If he's just, It's one thing to have him be mostly on the bench last year whenever there is no minor league season. And it's like, well, and you have expanded rosters like, okay, where else are we going to put Cole Tucker right now? But if he doesn't earn a starting job, do we even bother putting him on the bench? He's a guy who needs to play every day. He's not going to get any better, you know, being in the Sunday lineup, you know, bouncing around between shortstop, second base and center field. He needs to play every day. So whenever I look in center field there, I, I see it mainly right now as a two-person race. Maybe Reynolds, maybe Tucker, but the two people in particular I see are Jared Oliva and Anthony Alford. I, I'll admit, there's some prospects in this system, and why one of the reasons why I like doing the prospect show, that I, I feel very strongly about. Like, hey, there's a lot of talent around this guy. Guys I'm looking forward to writing mound visits about years from now. And Jared Oliva is a guy who's going to be on everyone's top 30 prospect list. He just is. His, his floor is being like a good fourth outfielder. But as a ceiling, he really reminds me, and I know I'm dating myself back here a little over a decade, but Chris Duffy, at least between the lines, Chris Duffy had his own personal demons, which... I, I'm not projecting onto Jared Oliver. I am not. It, Chris, I, I don't know exactly where he is in life. I hope he was able to conquer those. But do you remember how exciting this kid was back in 2007, 2008, whenever he came up 
and he just tore up the league for a couple months early on in the season. It got to the point that the Pirates, I'm looking up at it right now, made a bobblehead, the most glorious bobblehead that has ever been constructed of Ryan Domit, Zach Duke, and Chris Duffy. The Domit, Duke, and Duffy, it is the absolute best, as in it was the worst, and it just shot the moon. It was so horrible, it shot the moon, and it ended up being the best. Chris Duffy was one of those guys. I see a lot of that type of game in Jared Oliver, where it's like, here's a guy who could steal potentially 30 bases. He's, stol- he's stolen 30 bases in the minor leagues. Here's a guy who can play a good center field at a premium position. There's a lot of value in that. Here's a guy who could, you know, have the 350 OBP that you, or better, that you would want out of a leadoff hitter. A lot of that through batting average even, which is just a nice extra bonus. This guy in 2019 started off the year horribly in Altoona. There's no way around it. He got punched in the mouth making that jump up to double A. And you know what? That jump from A ball to double A is the second biggest jump you make in baseball. The only one that is bigger is going from triple A to the show. Because you don't have any more fill-in players at double A. You don't have, you know, a guy who's only in the minor leagues, a 26-year-old right-hander who throws 91 out of the bullpen. You don't have that guy around anymore to, you know, inflate your stats at double A anymore. That's the second biggest jump. And you know what? He got punched in the mouth early. And you know what he did? He bounced back. He ended up being the team MVP for the curve in 2019. He went to the Arizona Fall League that fall and was an all-star there also. He was just on a tear for about five months in 2019. And then goes to spring training. Looks good there. Goes to the Altoona camp. Looks good there. Ends up getting a cup of coffee in the majors in 2020. There's a lot to like about his game. But he doesn't have the ceiling of Anthony Alford. And Alford, I, it, to be blunt, there's a very good chance he will never reach his ceiling. Here's a guy who, whenever Ben Charrington was in Toronto, he was the top prospect, if not the very top like second or third for like a three-year stretch with the Blue Jays. And then he just never really got his shot in the majors. Injuries, you know, slumping in AAA one year, just a bunch of little things always going wrong. Never really got his chance in the major leagues. 2020 looked like it was actually going to be his first chance once the Pirates claimed him off waivers. And you know what? In that breath of time that he was there, and it was just a breath. We're talking about a few games, a handful of swings. He drove a couple balls. He ran well. He he broke his arm, you know, just trying to track down an untrackable ball in the outfield, a play that he probably should have given up on, but, you know, he was so desperate to try to make a play and make an impression. And the fact that he even made it close just shows the athleticism that this guy has. But he hasn't come close to filling that potential at any point since he's hit the major leagues. And he might not ever. This guy might just be Billy Hamilton light, a really fast guy, guy who could profile well in the outfield defensively, maybe even come off the base as a pinch hitter or pinch runner. And that's it. That might be it. But it was a smart waiver claim to bring him into the system. If for no other reason, 
then, you know, if, if, even if the shot is one in 20, that this guy ends up being a good major league ball player, you got to take that shot. If you're the parts of this scenario, whenever you look at this roster and be like, well, this team has probably got to finish at last place in the worst division of baseball. What else do we have to lose? You can't do worse than worst play than last place. It's going to be Alford and Oliva. The way I look at it right now is main competition in center field. With Cole Tucker being the sleeper. Who, you know, he did tear it up last spring training. And looking at some of the video of his swing in 2021, you know, this offseason, it doesn't look too bad. Maybe he can do it again and, you know, end up stealing this position. But whenever I look at this outfield, Alford or Oliver in center, and probably leaning towards Alford because this has to be the year. He has no more options. Oliver, you could at least make the case he hasn't played a game in Indianapolis yet. He's Yeah, he's major league ready, but he hasn't played a game in Indianapolis yet. It won't hurt him to play every day down there. It's time for Alford. It's his shot. He's got to take the, make the most of it. Nothing's going to be given. As Charrington and Derek Shelton have said, this is going to be an atmosphere of competition. Alfred's got to earn his, earn his spot. But if it's a tie, it's definitely going to him, in my opinion. We're going to take a break. Whenever we come back, we're going to talk about another Pirates outfielder and putting their 2020 season firmly in the rearview mirror. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the podcast to be named later. I am Alex Stump. Whenever this offseason began, actually, I'm going to go back a little further to during the 2020 season. Mound visit is a labor of love for me. And every once in a while, I'm writing one. I'm like, this one's going to be a big hit. And I did that last year with Josh Bell. And actually, the only reason I was able to really do the Josh Bell bound visit was because I was stuck in Cincinnati in limbo, wondering what's going on with the COVID protocols. And I was just stuck in a hotel room all day. I just threw myself into baseball savant and said, let's do this. Let's look at the Josh Bell 2020 experience. And that one was well liked. But I got a request. Everyone wanted Brian Reynolds after that. And... You know, I, I went into this offseason thinking, you know, I'm going to write a Brian Reynolds mound visit at some point this offseason. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I kept putting it off. And I kept putting it off. I kept, put, kept, 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 kept putting it off. Monday, it finally runs the last mound visit technically of the offseason because the next mound visit is on the day pitchers and catchers report next week. So this technically is the last one of the offseason. The one last look in the 2020 rearview mirror of Brian Reynolds' season and how bad it was and 
you know, to oversimplify the article, if I knew exactly what was wrong with Brian Reynolds, I, I would probably be the new assistant hitting coach right now instead of Christian Barrero. No offense to Mr. Barrero. Very nice man. But that that, that is a billion-dollar question. And as I wrote, there wasn't like anything – Horrible that he was doing. It's not, oh, man, they started throwing in more breaking pitches. No, not really. Oh, he's chasing stuff out of the zone. No, not really. If anything, he got a little better at identifying pitches. Still did a good job at, you know, swinging at the mistake pitches over the heart of the plate. Laid off the bad ones. His walk walk, walk rate went up last year. Like, how many times do you see a guy, you know, finish with a sub-200 batting average and a 10-plus percent walk rate anymore? Well, Anymore, there's a couple guys. There's always the Max Muncies of the world, I guess I should think of them more often. Not saying that Brian Reynolds should profile as one of those guys. He's the guy who's got to live off the BABIP. He's got to get those hits and play. You know, have those base hits and doubles into the gap. And he didn't get that in 2020. His expected stats were better than his actual ones, but not to the point where you could be like, oh, well, don't worry. It just would have evened out over a whole season. They were still bad. The excuse, not the excuse, the, the reason for the slump that Derek Shelton gave were, was timing issues. And I know that led to probably a couple eye rolls for me just saying the word timing issues, timing problems, because it, it was said a bunch of times last year. And you know what? It, it's one of those things that you can't really refute if you're just not timing up pitches. You're just not timing up pitches. But looking at Reynolds' swing, I, I think I finally saw you know the, those timing issues, especially in the hands. Whenever he's working, whenever he's working, he's got he starts loading up right before the pitcher even starts their motion home. He has the pitcher timed up so well; he is getting a running head start. You know, before the pitches even throw, you can win at bats. Brian Reynolds has one at bats before the pitcher has even flinched towards home just because he's timed him up so well last year wasn't the same case there are times whenever pitcher was already starting to come towards home not even winding up just coming towards home and his hands were still set they weren't in the load position yet he hadn't even begun going to the low position yet that is a timing issue how do you fix that well, he's getting some time away from the, from the game, from competition. And never underestimate the power of turning it off and then turning it back on. You know, like a Wi-Fi router. You know, just let's see what happens. Just take a couple months away from actual games and see what happens. That might end up being it. Because this guy... It's hard to stress how much of an anomaly, how unexpected 2020 was for him. Because here's a guy who was competing for a batting title. He came straight up from AAA after only a couple games down there and immediately started competing for a batting title in 2019. He hit 300 everywhere. 300 with power. Like this guy just, he could hit. He came out of... (laughs) He came out at like two years old, whenever he's one year old, whenever he starts walking, he starts swinging a bat and he's, you know, roping doubles into the gap. 
this last year was so weird to see him just be completely off. The Pirates, their solution, Shelton's solution in particular, whenever he says timing, the way you fix timing is you catch up to the fastball. If you can time up a fastball, you can react to the off-speed breaking stuff. If you can't, well, you at least are timed up to the fastball. Chase those. Hit those. It's not a bad strategy. It's not a bad strategy. It's worked for a lot of people. There There are plenty of hitters out in this league that are fastball hitters that'll hit a buck 20 against the breaking stuff. And that's just fine. They still end up having major league jobs because they are able to time up the fastball well. Reynolds wasn't able to last year. He wasn't able to do the same amount of damage on pitches over the heart of the plate, the mistake pitches, which is the most interesting, at least in my viewpoint. Like if you threw a, if you threw a mistake to Brian Reynolds in 2019, you paid for it. That wasn't the case in 2020. And yeah... <laughs> There were a lot of people who claimed Brian Reynolds 2019 was, you know, it, it, was, it was artificial. He wasn't hitting that good. It was just a rocket, a sky-high BABIP, which if you saw him play, if you saw the quality of the contact that he was making, he earned those hits. There wasn't anything cheap about that 2019 season. He earned those hits. Wasn't at the same level in 2020. And the Pirates need him to be. There really is no other way around it. Like, there are two... <laughs> at the risk of going off on the on the former regime, we get enough of that talk here on DK Sports Radio. Just for variety. But Ben Charrington did not inherit a lot of players on the Major League roster who... He could be like, you know what, five years from now, if I'm going to embark on a five-year plan, five years from now, these guys will be part of the next big Pirates playoff push. There weren't a whole lot of guys on that Major League roster. It wasn't the Gregory Polancos. It, Josh Bells and Starling Martes and Jamison Todds and Joe Musgroves would have to be traded to bring in more talent into the farm system. There weren't a whole lot of guys. Brian Reynolds was one of those guys. And yeah, if you looked at his floor, I put, I put this in the mound visit, the, what he does on defense, if he, you know, hit, if his actual results matched his expected results over the course of a full season, which, you know, just expand the sample size, you're going to get rid of these outliers more. This guy's probably like a 1.5 war floor type of guy, which is an average-ish baseball player. That's serviceable. Pirates need more out of that from him, though. Because whatever you look at the lineup, the only two people that you could say, the only two people that the Pirates could really say for certain, and certain has to go into quotes because in italics and bold with asterisks and everything, because nothing is for certain in this game. But the only two guys that if the Pirates are building that 2023, 2024 lineup, whenever all these prospects start coming up that they're really excited for, like, okay. Reynolds and Cabrian Hayes are going to be in that lineup. And then, you know, you, you, they project, you know, like Nick Gonzalez and Lovier Piguero and <laughs> whoever wins the center field battle, battle between uh, Anthony Alford and Jared Oliva. Let's just say they're still the center fielder at that time. They need Reynolds. They need him to be a big bat. And who knows? Maybe a dead in baseball like there are reports of there being wind up benefiting him in the end. He didn't get nearly as many of those 
flares and bloops that he had in 2019. Maybe that's just what it needs to be for Brian Reynolds. Hit the ball. <laughs> Hit fewer line drives. Get more of those bloops every once in a while. The hard line drive straight to an outfielder. The batted ball gods can sometimes be very, very cruel. This is the first, and not the last, but hopefully it'll be a while. First time I've, I've done this podcast solo. I hope these 23-ish minutes haven't inflicted too much damage on you and me solo. Tune in on Saturday where I have Jared with me. Jared's a good buffer. We make conversation, talking about the prospects. And like I said, I have some good guests that I'm very excited to bring on this show over the course of the next couple weeks, however long until we find a permanent way of doing this show. But for right now, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast to be named later. Be sure to subscribe to DK Sports Radio to keep up to date with all the shows, with Daily Shot, with the 66 to 87 for, for Carter and Dale Lawley. There's a lot of good shows on this podcast feed. Be sure just to subscribe. It's a lot more interesting than me monologuing for 24 minutes. But now at the end of those 24, I am Alex Gumpf. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.